Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals, one of the most watched and listened to podcasts dealing with addiction and recovery. And if you want to watch us, tune in to go to the Odyssey House YouTube channel and, and our podcast will be listed and you can watch us to see how beautiful my co-host is and oh. how handsome our guest is. Yes. See, isn't Crushing that a good way to start as opposed to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Randall Carlisle along with my guest co-host Amy Daschle, Hello. one of my favorite people in the world. Feelings mutual. <clears throat> well, thank you. Thank you. And Amy suggested our guest, so I'll let you introduce him. So this is Ryan Rosenberg amazing human in recovery 11 years sobriety and has been one of the most selfless individuals i have ever witnessed within this community showing up just with no expectation and just leads with his heart i'm so honored that you decided to come and be with us today thank you thanks amy what uh what, what you, you you're doing accolades with with him what what what's so great about him well, I think we should let him tell him. Okay. Yeah, All I right. think we should I, just let him I, speak I, I for himself. I don't know you put it like that. You say, I mean, tell us how great you well, first are. of all, she lied. I don't have 11 yet. Okay. So the fact Close. she said she, that I'm great, my, I'm not sure if that's going to be a lie or not. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I've been in the recovery community for, for almost 11 years. Uh, I'm very involved in 12-step recovery. That's where I found a solution for me. Um, I try to continue to, to act on that stuff and continue to be a part of that community because it, it seems like the more I do it, the better life I feel at peace with my life. Isn't so. that strange how that works? Yeah. You know, I used to go, uh, your drug of choice was what? Uh, meth. Meth. Okay. Mine was alcohol. And I remember going to AA meetings when I initially tried to get clean and hearing people uh, share their stories saying how great life is now. And, I, and, I, and I'm just sitting there looking at them and saying, this is so much bullshit, you know? Uh, They're not sober. <laughs> but, but there is truth to that, isn't there? there there's a lot of truth to it. How, 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 what was your life like before you uh, decided to re join the recovery movement? Well, my life, I mean, I basically went to the, to the party at age 15 uh, and started a down here spiral and didn't really accomplish much in life till the age 30. Um, I, I started using heavy drugs very young um, and I remember and I didn't know that they were bad or know that there were felonies. I, I had no idea and I remember when I turned 18 I got arrested and picked up my first felony charge for drug possession. Really? And uh, wow. got out of jail and I think a normal person would be like okay that's bad I'm getting charged I'm I should stop. Do it anymore. And I got out and continued deeper into it. And, and uh, you know, from that, you know, I, I was put on drug court at some point in time when I was 20, and I successfully did that. It was very, very new to Utah at the time when I did that. I think it was Judge Fuchs or something like that. But um, I completed that, but I never really worked on myself at all and just went right back out to it. And I, I even tried the geographical change, and I moved to Arizona thinking I could get the wife, the job, the schooling, you know, the education, and, like, somehow life would just worked for me and it, it did the complete opposite you know I ended up being homeless in Arizona for a period of time picking up new charges and, and my life was pretty miserable there's a chapter in the big book about trying to trying to deal with your addiction by moving somewhere or changing change. jobs mm -hmm. or something and it changing by my in my environment you know yeah. 
and it doesn't work for no, me. It doesn't. So, so you're in Arizona and still going through the same stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I ended up getting a job out there, and then of course I got I got married because, you know, I loved her, but I thought for some reason my brain was like, if I can marry this girl, she's in school, she's I mean, she's got her life together. It's going to somehow wear off on me, and I'm just going to be have my shit together, and it did the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> So, Weird how you think somebody else's work is going to be your yeah, work, right? right? I mean, my brain was not and is I not always I think a lot of there. people think like that. Sure. Though, you, you know, that she'll rub off on me or, you know, because because I love her, then I'll get clean. Yeah. Just like that. And it'll work. It wasn't enough. Kids were not enough. You know, I have a 21-year-old 21, 21 now and she's 14 and they were not enough to get me sober. So... I don't think I feel like we always think there's something that's going to get us sober and it doesn't really start until for me anyways until I start putting in some work strange how that is what kind of work did you put in um, for me I like I said I got really involved in a 12-step fellowship and I started being a service on that level you know and, and letting people know there's a solution and I went through the steps and I continue to try to give that back and I got really involved in the entertainment of 12 steps so the the, the events that we throw on um, trying to make sure people know there's life after. You can sober. have fun. You sober. can. <laughs> and, I, and I think I've been on that committee this whole time. You know, and I still show up and I still try to be a part of. I did uh, some world service work for the fellowship, which was, you know, the business for the 12-step, which was really cool. And I find that anything that I don't want to do, um, I do it and I feel good after. And that's just what I've trained my brain to do. Like I still take a meeting into the Salt Lake County Jail every week. And for me... Just getting there, I have to go there tonight, by the way, and I don't want to go. <laughs> but I know when I show up, I walk in there, I run that meeting, and I leave there, and I just feel like I've done some good, and I feel really good after I leave. But then every Wednesday, it's the same thing. I don't want to go. <laughs> yeah. So that still happens that 10 years, 10 years later. I'm still like, I don't want to do that stuff because for me, I'm selfish by nature. From what the book tells me is I'm selfish and self-centered, and that's the root of my problem. And doing all this other stuff takes away that selfishness. So it's kind of it's kind of crazy, I guess. That's exactly say. how we got him here. I called him when I was like, "Do you want to be of service?" And he's like, "I will never turn down service." <laughs> <laughs> I don't well. When he sat down today, he, he said, I, mm, "I'm not sure I want to do this." <laughs> Sweating over here is hot in here. <laughs> yeah, it is hot in here. Yeah. So that's that's over. what is. Uh, I'm curious how, like, when you when you take a a 12 step meeting into the jail, how do people there respond? I think I get more out of it than they do, to be honest. Um, I've there are some people that are in that are coming around now that have been in the jail that say, "Hey, I remember you in jail," and that's a cool feeling. But most of the time, some are there for good times, some are there for the meeting. There are some people in there that have some recovery that have just gone back out, um, and I think overall, a good fifty percent of them are grateful we come in. The rest are there for a good time, um, and sometimes they show up in meetings after, whether it be AACA, HA. I mean, there's so many different fellowships out there. Where they show up somewhere, you know, I've done my part and, and let them know we're there. But if they're like me, I mean, every time I went to jail, I, I went to the meetings and I didn't want to get sober. But I went to the meetings. You know something I mean? to do. Something to do to get out of your cell, right? Yeah. So, I mean, but it, what it does for me in my life is it's, it's miracles. And when I see someone come out after the meeting and, and say, hey, I remember you from there, the feeling, you can't get that feeling. And what you, what you may not understand watching or listening if you're not acquainted intimately with addiction is addicts 
regardless of what your substance is, are extremely selfish, self-centered people because oh, yeah. what, what <laughs> matters most is that substance that you think makes you feel better. Uh, and, and, and children be damned, marriages be damned, mm -hmm. uh, jobs be damned, paying bills be damned. Uh, and that's just the way we think. I mean, you, you went through that, Amy, and, 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 and you estranged your, your kids. Oh, it, it was the only thing that mattered to me was my addiction, right? Was, was how, do I, how do I keep this going? How do I get that next fix? How do I sustain this need within me? It was the only thing that was of importance to me. And see, people don't understand that. Like a, a, a person who, who hasn't dealt with addiction, how could you possibly say that heroin is more important than your daughters? It wasn't, it, you get to the point where you're in so much shame and you feel so not you feel so less than right it wasn't that my children weren't important to me and my children were everything to me and when my children got taken from me that is what broke me right but you you cannot function with that feeling of of um holding on to that hope that they're going to want you back right you've taken it so far and you've taken it so dark that you have completely shut that emotion out so it's not that i didn't that my kids weren't the most important thing to me they will always be the most important thing but they to weren't me. a priority that what became the priority was me not feeling the shame and the pain and the guilt and the hurt and separating myself so completely from that that the only thing that could be of of importance to me was maintaining that separation from that shame does and, that make and, sense yeah yeah it makes perfect sense and 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 the the reason i brought that up is that we're all selfish as as addicts is for some reason the the people who put together the 12 steps the big book uh had the idea that giving back and dealing with other people somehow works for your sobriety and your selfishness because you're not being selfish at that point right i mean that's that's kind of the gist of it yeah yeah and and i wonder what that is because you give back i give back you give back and and i feel better about it and when i'm thinking about someone else i don't think about the fact that maybe i want to drink yeah what 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 is it that what goes through a person's mind that if you redirect that selfishness outward I, I think that what doesn't go through a person's mind is their problems and their issues and and you're more thinking about how can I help this person and you know there's been a couple times in in the 10 years that I've been around where some some crazy things have happened in my life where I had to go meet with the sponsee and sit and work with this gentleman and for that hour the problems I was going through that would either throw me back out or throw me over the edge like it wasn't about me I went and met with him and it was enough time for my brain to not think about that to where it would be a realistic explanation of what's going on. You know what I mean? Instead of that first thought, because our first thoughts are, they're just thoughts, but they're always bad. Mm -hmm. They always get me in trouble, right? Sure. Um, so I think it's what it does by getting everything out of your brain by helping someone else, personally. And, and Amy, you, you work at, a, a, at an organization called RASA, which works on getting people's criminal records expunged. Mm -hmm. So you're getting paid every day 
to be doing work where you're focusing on someone else. Sure. Right? Yes. Does that make a difference in your life? Oh, 100%. To be a part of, you know, I was telling, I was talking to you earlier, Randall, about drafting 2,000 expungement petitions. And, and just being able to go home at night knowing I have been part of 2,000 different pathways of somebody's freedom, like there's no better feeling than that because I know what that feels like, right? Like I've been through that. I've had to, I had to face the same barriers that these people have had to face. So I know the impact that this is making in their lives. And to just be a small piece of that person's journey, I can't think of a better rewarding sense of purpose than to be able to give that back. You know, like when I was explaining that I had to separate and become completely selfish, and he explains how you've got to separate from being selfish to be becoming completely selfless. It's just the complete opposite shift when you get into recovery. And just think about, I, I mean, who knows of those 2,000 people who, who, who got expungements, what that has made in there. It's too bad you can't follow up and know everybody's personal story, you know. Uh, and, and I sort of look at uh, working at Odyssey the same way. Uh, does everyone succeed? No. Uh, for those who do, I'm working for an organization that does help a ton of people to reclaim their lives and, and go on and do wonderful things in society and I get paid for it yeah it's, it's like it's like a win-win wow. <laughs> and, and, and and you know I don't think once in the six years I've been at Odyssey I've ever thought about uh, I'm so upset I need I I, I want to numb myself with alcohol I, I got to go out and get a drink and all the time when I was drinking when I was a functional alcoholic it'd be like if something if my wife yelled at me or my my boss, or or I had a bad newscast. I say, well, I got to go out and get drunk now. You know, yeah. so, you know sounds like a legit reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, no, it's it's just such a it's such a change. Um, maybe uh, for people who, you know, when people hear twelve step meetings, unfortunately, the way they are portrayed in movies and TV shows is these dark little basements in churches that where where there's really, really crappy <laughs> coffee and everybody's sitting around smoking and and it's just a bunch of old guy old guys who are drug addicts and drunks and 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 it, meetings aren't like that no i mean there is coffee and it's not always the best and there is old guys yeah and I'm turning into one of them, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, but it's not like that. I mean, it, it is completely different, and there's a lot of fun to be had in in twelve step. Um, obviously, it's got its drama and all that other stuff. But for the most part, you know, the the work out of the book that I did with a sponsor and passed that on, my life's completely changed. So, and and you bring up the the one of the things that scared me when I stopped drinking was I don't think I can ever have fun anymore. Uh, because, you know, you get drunk at a party and you're laughing at stuff that's not funny and, and that kind of stuff. And, and I, the first party I went to when I finally ventured out, I, I'm, I, I was married at the time. I've gotten through four wives because it was their fault, not mine. But, uh, Sounds accurate. <laughs> that's what I thought at the time. But, but the first party I went to where people were drinking... I, I remember telling my wife, I, I was sitting there watching, and the party gets louder and louder the more people drink, and more and more people are laughing at stuff that's not funny. 
And I and I, and I I remember saying to my then wife at the time, uh, "What what are they laughing at? What's so funny?" And they keep repeating themselves. And she said, "You did that for years." <laughs> I thought, "No, I didn't." She yeah. pulls out a video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here, yeah, here, here, take. Remember it. this night. <laughs> so uh, having fun in sobriety is is part of, of, of 12-step groups, right? I mean, I believe it is. It's been, for me, an imperative for my for me. Sure. So that's, I mean, that's something that's kept me around. That's, you know, I'm still doing it, you know, the recovery events. I still participate in all that on the, on not only that, but the world level. You know, there's conventions all over. I've been to Montreal, I've been to Toronto, I've been, I mean, just all over. I might go to Netherlands next year, and these are all for recovery wow. conventions. Where, where drugs are legal. God, you can. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> yeah. I think they are. I think booze is legal, too, so yeah, it really doesn't yeah, matter. Well, that's you know, a good point. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just been, for me, it's been really cool. So. And, and maybe describe to people some of the events that are, quote, fun events that, that sober people do. Well, I mean, we have a New Year's party every year. We and we, I mean, after COVID, they kind of got a little smaller, and we're trying to bring them back. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, we we had Noah's Event Center, which I don't think Noah's around anymore. We had three stories, ice skating on top. We had the second floor dancing with um, games downstairs, and that whole building was packed. We probably had six to a thousand people there. And everyone sober. I mean, I'm going to say there's a good chance that someone <laughs> might not have been, but I mean, for the most part, we're all there to be sober and, and to have a good time and party sober on New Year's. Uh, for me, it was like, what do you do on New Year's when you don't drink? You don't right. do anything. I never drank, but that was the thought that always passed my head. Hey, I need to go out and drink. I need to go see the bar scene. Like, even though I didn't do that, that's what always would start for me. You know? Yeah, sure. We have Halloween events. We have, you know, conventions. I mean, there's just a lot. Every holiday, there's some sort of event going on. And, and we push things like a lot of our grads or, or people in upper levels. Uh, or sober softball is a big thing. That's uh, a huge thing. You know, a lot of people are doing that. Uh, and and I, I try to golf, and, and there are, there's a sober golf group. There's a sober bowling group. Mm -hmm. there's, uh, and I used to get really drunk playing golf, and I remember the first time I went out when I was sober because I always thought it would, we always called it swing oil. Right, because it would it would loosen you up, you know, and you weren't nervous or about anything. And I, the first time I went out sober, I was scared out of my mind to play golf, and my score was about the same as it was when I was drunk. So yeah. you know, it proved to me that you know I didn't need to have swing oil to swing. Yeah, you know, what uh, people who who may not be familiar with twelve step meetings, um, I'm always amazed. If you if you ever take the time to read the big book, uh, that these guys came up with these ideas back in the 1930s, and and most of what they I mean some of the stories are, <laughs> are way dated and stupid. Yes, for but, sure. <laughs> but but the 12 steps themselves that they came up with, I, I they had some vision into the future uh, back in the 30s. I mean, there were some bad things. I mean, like women weren't allowed initially, and gays weren't allowed, and drug addicts weren't allowed. It had to be alcohol. But but the 12 steps apply to 
everyone i think i think everybody could actually use them to be honest but yeah it's addiction or not addiction yeah. or not there's some good stuff in there but the, the problem is, is it's really just for the people that do the work on it you know but there's a lot of people that Maybe sober, but they're kind of an asshole too, you know. And, yeah. and they can really use some recovery <laughs> well, in their lives, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what has the work done for you? What have you been able to achieve since you've been in oh, recovery? I mean, I've achieved a lot. Um, you know, I one, I'm still sober, so that's a that's the hugest achievement. And that's that's um, the basic. I've gotten my son back in my life, uh, which has been huge. I mean, we always bicker, but he actually works for me. Um, I've be able, been able to just buy, purchase a business, and so far I'm successfully running that. Um, house, um, cars, family, family back in my life is, is huge. Um, something I'm still working on that I don't know will ever happen is I had, I, my daughter. I still have yet to see my daughter, and that that's one of those things where some people come in and they're like, "Oh, I got my family back," and I'm like, "Why so quick for for them?" But you know, they don't know me for who I am today, and of course, they're really closed off. On even knowing me um, so that's that's been hard yeah. but I, I think at, at the right age when she's ready you know she'll reach out you know she's 14 now so when she's 18 she might reach out sure and, and I trust sure. that you know I trust that there's a power out there that will guide that force toward me when it's time so I mean, it's one of those hard things but we relate we've got several thousand viewers and listeners uh, for this podcast, so what? What is your? You might as well get a free plug in here. What's your business? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's a free plug or not. So I actually just took over agency, All Risk Managers Insurance. All Risk Managers yeah. Insurance. He's literally the insurance agent for the entire recovery community. Entire recovery. I mean, a big chunk of the recovery community. Do a lot of treatment centers. I definitely um, do a lot of business insurance, and and, and I enjoy it. You know, um, and been pretty good at it. I think so. Successful, uh, yeah. So far, the old owner of Risk Managers just was ready to retire, and she gave me the opportunity to take over, and so I took over. So, if you would still be using, would you have this business? No, no. <laughs> so, I actually, funny story. I actually got into insurance when I was in Arizona, and I was I was still kind of using. I think that fell a little bit. Sorry, uh, but uh, I was working for farmers at the time, and like I was trying to manage both. I was literally using, and, using working. and working, and it was kind of like, it was a turning point for me, and it was a turning point backwards, but I, I, I said to myself, I either need to do this or this, and, and I dropped the insurance gig and went, you know. But full-time went using. Full -time. <laughs> I mean, it's always been full-time for me. I've never, yeah. I never accomplished anything up until the age of 30. Nothing. I mean, I basically was running the streets from the age of 16 to 20, and then I moved to Arizona. It was pretty much had an apartment for a while, then was running the streets again. So I never really accomplished anything. I didn't even graduate high school um, wow. up until 30. Well, I did get a GED because it was a requirement of the judge for drug charges, but as far as accomplishing anything before 30, nothing. Amy and I have talked about this in private before, but even though you say something like that, your, your claim is that what you went through help shape your life to where you are now no, even though it was, sounds f pretty negative right right I mean I'm sure people think I'm crazy when I say I wouldn't I wouldn't give those experiences back right but I don't think I would have ever have had the awareness and the realization of one what I could achieve in life two, the type of person that I want to show up as and and uh, what I see in the mirror every day right I, that never would have happened if I didn't lose everything 
Yeah, I, I mean, you can definitely rate it. I would not feel the gratitude I have for everything I have. Uh, not just the material stuff, but the family. You know, me and my dad have a great relationship today where, where before it was just be using him. You know, and my mom, great relationship, but I wouldn't be the person I am today without everything I went through. And I strongly, strongly agree with exactly what she said. Yeah. Like, I just, I wouldn't. I would probably have be this big old egotistical prick, right? And I wouldn't care about other people, and I would just Well, be, you still are. I still am, but I, <laughs> no, no, but, no, I, no. but I hide it well. <laughs> yes, yes, <you> <laughs> That's the difference. You've been talking to my dad, haven't you? <laughs> yes, yeah. But I show, up for my, I show up for my daughter in a way that I know I never would have been able to show up before, and right? That, the level of patience that I have with my daughter, the way that I'm able to communicate with my daughter and be accepting and loving and open, I wasn't that person before. Yeah. And, I, and like I said, I don't talk to my daughter. I've tried to talk to her, and then eventually she just didn't want to talk to me. So there's not much I can do with that, but I, I, I send money every month. I send gifts. I mean, that's obviously that stuff doesn't matter. I can't, but that's all I can do. Yeah. But I wouldn't do that before. But when they are ready, it's your daughter, it's my son, same age, yeah. like 14, you know. Um, and I have that same mindset. You know, there's so many people like, oh, if I was the parent, I'd be in court fighting and... And when they're at this age, I mean, we have to respect their own voice, yeah. right? And, and that's the hardest thing to, I've ever had to come to terms with in my own recovery was being patient enough and trusting the process enough and building who I am so that when he is ready, I am somebody that he can be proud of, yeah. right? But I, I know that pain all too well. Yeah. And it takes a lot of work to get there. That's... You mentioned that with your AA meetings and said, you know, people come just to socialize maybe or something out of boredom, but I think that's true. <laughs> what you point to me? Okay, no, no, no. guilty. <laughs> but, but, but sobriety takes work. Yes. You know, that's why people, when they check into a program, check out the next day or a week later or something like that. I didn't want to have to do this stuff, get in touch with my feelings and think, my thinking errors and all that kind of stuff. It takes work. Yeah, it does. And you guys have done the work and you're doing great things. So, yeah, thank you very much for being a guest. Of course. On Odyssey House Journals. And thank you for being my beautiful co-host. Oh, thank yeah. you for having me. It's Thanks a, for being here, so both So good of you. to see you again. And, and maybe we just will boost your business by you know, 50%. Perfect. By 50%? I don't think I can handle that yeah. workload. <laughs> then hire a new staff. I just did. You know. <laughs> All right. Thanks, both of you, for being here thank today. Thank you. And thank you for watching or listening to another edition of Odyssey House Journals.